All right, all right, all right. Man, I hope everybody's doing okay today. Are you doing all right today? All right, are you glad to be in church today? Let me hear it if you're glad to be in church today. All right, man, I'm glad uh, that you're here too, and I hope everybody is doing all right. Man, Pastor Matt is going to be out of town this weekend, man, he's out of town this Sunday, so we're going to be taking a one-week break from our Esther series, and instead we're going to be jumping into the book of Hebrews this morning. So let me apologize if you brought your Esther scripture journal, and you came, and you are ready to fill those pages up with some valuable notes, all right? Save that thought, because we'll be back at in Esther next Sunday, but keep that enthusiasm, keep that drive. Man, write something down today that you could take home with you, and that way you can share it with somebody outside of the walls of this church. Now, man, as I look out here, I got to give a little golf clap, all right? Man, this is for everybody that stuck around when you realized that Matt actually wasn't going to be preaching today, all right? You could have snuck out. All right, now if you try, it's just going to be awkward, all right? So stay seated, all right? But here's the thing. Check this out. Man, um, you might have, uh, you know, already taken one look at the screen, and if you're cynical, all right, you might be thinking, man, what in the world can this guy tell us about running, all right? Man, you're right. It's okay to think that. That's okay. You're all right thinking that, all right? I might not look like a runner, but I do keep on running back to that dollar menu, all right? And man, golly, I thought it would be different in 2020, all right? A new year, a new me. In fact, I was making a list of New Year's resolutions, and I thought about putting running on that short list, but man, I got into the Bible, and Proverbs 28.1 reminded me that only the wicked run when nobody else is chasing them, so... Man, I had to mark that off the list, but, but here's the thing. Actually, today, I'm not going to tell you anything about running. Man, I'm going to let the author of Hebrews do that, all right? And so this morning, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to try to unpack verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. And we'll be taking a look at how the, the author of Hebrews explains that this journey that a lot of us refer to as the Christian walk is a whole lot more like a Christian run, all right? Man, it's less of a walk and it's more like running in a race. And so, as you turn, tap, or scroll your way to Hebrews chapter 12, man, give me a little hootie-hoo when you get there, all right? But here's the thing. Check this out. Man, it's on the right side of the Bible. It's way almost to the end of the Bible. It's sandwiched in between Philemon and James. We're going to be in chapter 12. I mean, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the back of the pew in front of you. If you don't know how to find Hebrews, that's okay. There's a table of contents uh, right there at the front, and it's ready to help you get there. And as a reminder, man, the big numbers are the chapters, and the small numbers are the verses. And so, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. If you're there, follow along with me. Make sure you're reading. I put it up on the screen, but I'll probably stutter and copy and paste kind of fails me every now and then. So, follow along in the real thing. It says, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely— 
and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. All right. Man, if you would, join me in praying three things. They're simple and they're easy to say, but they're hard to walk out. And that's why I need your help. So let's pray together that today the Lord would, number one, speak to us. Number two, that we would hear his truth. And number three, that that truth would change our lives. Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father. God, we pray those three things. God, not just me, but, but my brothers and sisters in Christ. Men, we're coming to you in with hearts of prayer to pray that, number one, you would speak to us today. God, loudly and clearly. God, I know I struggle with selective hearing. God, I want to select your truth and hear that today. God, so speak to us today. Number two, let us hear that truth. God, don't let us be a distraction. Don't let us get distracted. God, don't let us zone out, but instead let us zone in. God, as we set examples for the little ones of how it is to study your word, let us hear your truth. And then third and finally, God, God, I pray that today your truth would change our lives. God, that your truth would set us free from the bondage of sin. Light will know in a moment that so easily entangles us and wants to trip us up. But instead, God, let us come out changed. Let us come out differently. Let us impact our families because of it, our coworkers because of it. God, we need your help in doing this. We've tried and we've failed. We can't do it on our own. And that's why we're asking for your help. And God, we pray all this in your son's precious and holy name and everybody said amen all right so man to get started today i want us to jump into the way back machine all right now for some of us we're younger than others and so we don't have to go that far back all right but for others man we might have to go way way back but here's the thing here's what i want to ask you to think about man i want to think of i want you to think about a time in your life when somebody was there to encourage you. So now that I put it that way, man, you might not have to go that far back, really. I mean, I want you to think about a time when somebody was there to encourage you, somebody cheered you on, man, somebody pumped you up, and they revitalized you so that you could keep on going. See, for me, Man, when I think about that, I can think about a lot of different moments in my life where I might have felt like I was lost. Man, I might have felt like I needed direction. And a brother or sister in Christ came alongside me, spoke truth into my life, encouraged me. And because of that, man, I kept on going. Some of those decisions were pivotal. Man, some of those decisions were my next step in following the call into the ministry. But the one I want to tell you about uh, most recently just happened last week, and I found myself up at 5 a.m. in the morning. Hold up, let me stop right there, all right? Man, I had no idea that that even existed, 5 a.m. in the morning. 
Ooh, that's early. Let alone, I didn't know that people actually got together, went to people's houses, and tried to lift weights at that hour in the morning. But there I was, all right? Man, I found myself awake at that time. I found myself at Zach Potts Metal Building, and I was found myself in there reminding myself that weights are heavy, all right? But, but here's the thing, man. I, I pull up, and it's 30 degrees outside, and it's 30 degrees inside, too. There's no insulation, all right? And so we go there, and I'm like, well, at least I'm not going to sweat wrong, all right? And, and, and here's the thing. Man, Zach Potts asked me to do something that I haven't done since high school. Man, he asked me to try to do a squat <laughs> with weights that are heavy. All right? And so, oh my goodness, talk about trying to psych myself up but not look silly doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, man, guys, I was nervous, all right? And so I walk up to the bar. Man, I'm so scared. I get up underneath it. Man, my palms are sweaty. My knees are weak and my arms are heavy. There's vomit on my sweater. Oh, wait, no, no, that's a song. That's a song. But anyways, I'm up there and I get it up on my shoulders and I take a step back because, you know, you got to, like, get into position, right? Oh my goodness, like my knees are like this. And I'm like, okay, this is it. This is how I'm gonna die, all right? <laughs> I thought it'd be better than this, but wow. At least I woke up early once in my life, all right? But here's the thing, check this out. Man, I thought I wasn't gonna be able to do it, but then I hear Zach's voice. Man, uh, Zach could have been multitasking. Zach could have been getting ready for the day, getting ready for the crew that's fixing to come over there and about to do work. But instead, Zach was right behind me and I hear this voice, bro, I got you. I'm right here. You've got this. Guys, it wasn't like intense. He wasn't screaming it. It was a little bit louder than a whisper, all right? He was close enough that I could hear him and it was those words that gave me exactly what I needed. Man, it was those words that motivated me. It was that assurance that reminded me that at least if I was going down, he was going down with me. No, I'm playing, I'm playing, all right. But here's the thing. It was those words that helped me keep going. And so it had me thinking, man, all after that, man, it just had me thinking, church family, are there any of y'all here today that feel like when you're walking out your faith, it's like you're carrying a heavy weight and one wrong step and one wrong move, you feel like you're going to drop everything. Well, here's the thing. This morning, man, I've been praying for you. And I hope that you find encouragement in the Scripture. And I hope that you find encouragement from the Holy Spirit that reminds you that just like those words I heard, bro, I got you. Man, I'm right here. You've got this. Don't give up. And so I want to try to encourage you with three things today. All right, three things. Everybody say number one. one. Number one is this right here. We'll put it up on the screen. Man, check yourself. All right, number one is check yourself. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and there was a famous rapper theologian that's known for saying, you better check yourself so you don't wreck yourself, all right? And, and here's the thing, check this out. There's a lot of times that when we try to walk out our faith, it's not easy. 
Man, when we try to walk this Christian journey, there's times that are high, there's times that are lows, and there's times that might be great, and there's times that are oh so hard, and there's times that we get discouraged, all right? But I want to tell you, man, check yourself. Check your attitude because the author of Hebrews begins to give us some application of the examples of enduring faith that he just unpacked in the entire chapter 11. Man, we talk about this like roll call of the hall of faith. Man, these people who God asked them to do the unthinkable and they were willing to step out and they did just that. Man, they were faithful. They endured. Man, they walked exactly where they were supposed to walk. And I think that's like right there in verse 1 while we get that therefore. So my man's going to put it up on the screen, but follow along with me. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, every sin, which cling so closely and let us run with endurance the, way, the race that is set before us. Check this out. He starts off by saying, therefore, that's what the therefore is there for. Man, for us to be encouraged by the people who have gone before us. He says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Man, in the mind's eye, man, the author, he paints this picture of these previous champions of the faith as spectators from the heavens. Man, cheering us on. And here's the thing, it's almost like we're at an athletic competition, right? And we have all these people who have gone before us and they're out there and they're encouraging us. And so when we read this, there's two ways that we can look at this. There's two school of thought. Man, there's one that's very literal, and it's basically the idea of these past heroes are actually in heaven looking down on us. Man, um, I believe that this passage, it might suggest this, but it doesn't inclusively prove this. And, and the reason why I struggle with that school of thought is, man, there's a lot of stuff on this earth that wouldn't encourage anybody if they saw what was going on. And when we think about heaven, we know that that's a place where you're untroubled. That's a place where, man, there, there's no hurt. And so it's difficult to say that people in heaven are actually, you know, seeing what we're going through and they wouldn't be hurt by it. But check this out. The other way to consider this is that these witnesses are not witnessing us as we conduct our lives, but instead they are witnesses to us of the faith and endurance of what we're called to walk out as well. And man, this term cloud kind of confuses people, but both the Greeks and the Latins, they frequently use this term to express a great number, a crowd, if you will. And so because we have this great number of people that have faithfully gone before us, continue the text, it says, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin. Church family, as we unpack this, we all understand that sin can hold us back. We all understand that, and we'll touch on that in a second. But before we get to that, notice what he lists before he says sin. He says, let us lay aside every weight. So there's something for us to consider because there's things that may not be sin, but they're considered weight. There's things that may not be sinful, 
but yet they are weighing us down. There are good things that are not God things, all right? And so, man, we need to check ourselves. We need to understand what it is that is holding us back because, man, there may be hindrances that are keeping us from running effectively the race that God has for us. I mean, our choices are not always between right and wrong, but sometimes it might actually be between what might hinder us and what might push us forward. So church family, man, I got to ask you, man, is there sin in your life that you need to lay to the side? But even more importantly, man, are there weights in your life that are holding you back that you need to take and lay aside? Man, as he continues to talk about this, he breaks down sin with this phrase, sin which clings so closely. Maybe your translation says sin that easily ensnares us or sin that entangles us. Man, sin that so easily trips us up. Guys, have you ever seen somebody caught up in a spider web? It's only funny when it's not you, you know what I'm saying? Because when it's you, man, I'm scared to death because if there's a web, there's probably a spider, and that gives me nightmares, all right? But to see somebody caught up in a web trying to get rid of it, man, it's almost like watching somebody play the old school Wii, but you're not watching the TV, you're just watching them, you know? Man, the, you know what I'm saying? All right? And so, man, it's crazy for us to think, but... Man, the author of Hebrews says, watch out because sin is like this. Man, it entangles us. It easily trips us up. And this phrase that is used, man, it's kind of difficult because it can actually be translated four different ways. Man, it can be translated as easily avoided, admired, ensnaring, or dangerous. And so when you break that down and un underneath the lens of that, man... <laughs> You got to understand that the author of Hebrews is saying, lay them all aside. See, some sins can be easily avoided, but they're not. Man, some sins are admired by others, yet we're called to lay them aside. Some sins are ensnaring, and so they're, they're, they're extremely harmful. Man, some sins are more dangerous than others, but sin is sin. And man, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the author of Hebrews is saying, let us lay aside every weight, let us lay aside every sin which clings so closely. And then as we keep on going... We understand that we're trying to put that aside so that we, we can run with endurance. There's that running that we were talking about earlier. Man, we're called to finish what we've begun in Jesus Christ. And if we're going to do this, we have to be able to have endurance. Man, we have to have endurance to be able to run the race that is set before us. See, this race that God has set before you and I, it involves effort. It involves commitment, being passive. Man, that won't run or win the race. And God wants us to run the race, and he wants us to finish it as well. And so to do that, we got to have endurance Man, one way to look at endurance, I like this, but one theologian said it this way, endurance is like patience. Having endurance is like patience, but it's not the type of patience which sits down and accepts things, but it's the patience which masters them. 
Men, it's not the type of patience that just accepts them but masters them. Men, it's determination. It's unhurrying and yet undelaying at the same time, which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected. Men, we see this lived out in the life of Apostle Paul. Men, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul pictured himself as a runner who had this race that he was called to finish. And nothing would keep Paul from finishing this race and to finish it with joy. In that particular passage, Paul speaks of my race. He, he owns this race. Man, he had a race to run. Church, I believe that we have a race to run. It's our own race, but God calls us to finish it with joy. And that is only able to happen with endurance. See, the author of Hebrews, he uses this term race that is actually used a lot in the New Testament, but it's often used for conflict or struggle of many kind. And that's why I think it's neat for us to think about the Christian walk as a race, because sometimes it's just that. Man, sometimes it's a struggle of all kinds. And it was one of the favorite words used by Apostle Paul because Paul used it in Philippians. He used this analogy in Colossians, in 1 Thessalonians, and 1 and 2 Timothy. And so, number one, I want to challenge us and encourage us to check ourselves. Man, if we feel like we're getting discouraged, understand that there's people who have gone before us. And because of that, man, let that motivate us to be able to kick all that stuff to the curb and then run this race that's been set before us. And the second thing I want us to know is this right here. Be encouraged with this. Change your focus. Man, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Man, there's a, there's a call to, to, to change our focus. Man, there's a lot of times in this world that we live in, man, we're so self-focused. It's all about us. It's all about our desires. Man, it's all about what we can get. Man, we're, we're so self-centered. But instead, man, the author of Hebrews is saying, change your focus not to yourselves, not to your surroundings, but look to Jesus, the ultimate example. So listen to verse 2. It says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And we'll try to unpack this. But first thing out of the gate in verse 2, he says, looking to Jesus. Man, I love how the New American Standard Version translates this. Man, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Man, we can only run the race that we've been called to run if we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and have our eyes locked on him, the prize. Man, he's our focus. He's our inspiration. He is our example. He is our goal. He's our finish line. Man, there was a time in my life 
when I actually liked mowing my yard. Y'all ever been there? Like, like way back, maybe it's because I was mowing other people's yard and I was getting paid for it, you know what I'm saying? But, but nobody pays me to mow my yard, you know what I'm saying? But there was a time when I actually enjoyed it, but one of the things that I enjoyed about mowing is the instant gratification of looking and seeing some straight lines, all right? There's some of y'all, y'all haven't figured that out yet. You know what I'm saying? Man, y'all be mowing like this, or, or you got it all finished, and then you drag that mower all the way across it. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, you're doing it wrong. Even if you got to, like, walk all the way around somebody else's yard just to keep those lines straight, all right? But I remember when my dad was telling me how to mow and to how to overlap your wheel over your last track, right? But there was a difference between when I followed so closely to that track the entire time, and I thought I had a straight line only to look back to realize, man, it's all wobbly looking. But when I got my wheel just in the right spot, but I looked forward to where I was actually planning on going, and I got there and I turned around to notice, wow, now that was a good line right there. Man, in the ancient Greek, when you talk about the phrase looking to Jesus, it uses a verb that implies a definite looking away from other things and then a present looking on to Jesus. And so we got to understand that, man, there's times that in Scripture, the original language is much fuller than the word, than the, than the word that we can come up with, uh, you know, in our uh, English language. And so this is an example of that. Man, uh, Basically, the original word had that preposition also added into it, which turns the look away from everything else and towards Christ. And so we have to understand this. We're not called to focus on the cloud of witnesses. Men, allow that to encourage you, but don't let that be your focus. Man, we're not called to look at the weights and the sins because hopefully we've already laid them aside, right? Man, too many times we, got, we catch ourselves and we're living in the past or we're looking at the past, and that could be past failures or that could be past victories, but instead, man, we're called to look to Christ. Man, don't even look upon the race course itself or the competitors that you're competing against, but instead, Focus on Jesus Christ. Why? Well, the author tells us because he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Man, Jesus is not only the author of it, but he perfects it. Man, he finishes our faith. So, so connect the dots. Listen to this. The idea that Paul has unpacked in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Listen to this idea where he says, He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Man, that was comforting indeed to these discouraged Christians, and I hope it's comforting to you and I as well. And it says the reason why, man, not only is he the perfecter and finisher of our faith, but who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Man, sometimes we read over this scripture, we read it so fast that we don't realize that, that Jesus didn't regard the cross itself as joy, but he could look past the cross and understand that the joy was beyond it. See, sometimes we don't have that capability. Man, sometimes we only look at the struggle right now 
In fact, sometimes we get so caught up on the mess that we're in that we don't understand how God is going to take that mess. And if we look beyond it and stay true to his calling and his direction, that he's going to turn that mess into our message. Man, there's time that we are being tested and we don't realize that he's going to take that test and turn that into our testimony. But look, as you keep on going, it says, despising the shame. See, the shame of the cross. One of the prominent elements of the torture of the cross was the extreme shame that was paired with it. And Jesus didn't welcome the shame. He despised it. Yet he endured it for us through all the way to victory. And that's hard for us to understand. Sometimes that's a stumbling block for many believers. It's like we want to know Jesus. Man, we want to know him personally. We want to know him experientially. Man, we want to experience his power, but yet we're not about the pain. We don't want to know the pain. And sometimes, man, there's times that we fall into the trap that, man, we're willing to do just about anything for Jesus except endure that shame and endure that embarrassment. But yet, with us focused on Christ and he, our example, then we understand that, man, that's how we persevere. And check this out. It says, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Man, that speaks of... Christ glorification right there. See, the same process is kind of being glorified, but in a different sense. It it, is happening in our lives. Man, it's true for the believers as well. But but the third thing that I want to encourage y'all with is, man, we said, number one, we got to check ourselves. Number two, we got to, um, man, what we say? Number two, we got to change our focus. And then number three, we got to consider Christ. We got to consider Christ. Listen to these last two verses. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. Let's start in verse four. Man, the Jewish Christians, they were discouraged because they started to experience all kinds of persecution, whether it be socially or economically, but not to the point of shedding blood yet. Guys, we're, we're, we're blessed to live where we live. We might feel like we've been persecuted, but not on the level of what is being referenced right here from the author of Hebrews. And so then to go back to verse 3, it says, consider him, Jesus Christ, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Man, even in our most difficult times, if we consider Jesus, then we can be encouraged, right? Not discouraged. Man, knowing that we're following in the footsteps of Christ, Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. And then he says, we do this so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Man, knowing that Jesus Christ doesn't ask more of us than he's already been willing to walk out himself, man, that's so encouraging. 
You know, there's times like maybe when you're a kid and you have a bad attitude and an adult tells you to do something and then you respond the wrong way and you say, why? And then because of their frustration, they're like, because I said so, all right? Man, we've probably all been there. See, Jesus has the authority to be able to say, because I said so. But he doesn't. He says, because I did it. Man, because he too was willing to do this. Man, because of that, man, we're encouraged by that. And it keeps us from growing weary. It keeps us from being discouraged in our souls. And so, man, what do we take away from this? Well, it's 2020. And some of y'all, like I said earlier, we might have already had goals that we've already marked off our list because, man, we feel like we've been defeated. We feel like we've already lost. Man, there's moments in our spiritual walk and our journey where we feel like we've just been tripped up by sin and, and, and maybe we ought to just wave the white flag. But here's what I want to tell you. If you're sitting here today, man, if you're streaming this uh, and listen to the audio, Man, guess what? You're still alive. And that means that you can still run. So let's get to running. Let's keep going because, man, let's be reminded that there are people who have gone before us. Man, they've been faithful. They've endured what is ahead of us. Let that be encouraging to you. Man, sometimes we feel like we're not making a ton of progress. But remember, this is not a sprint. Man, um, that little video that we played earlier, it was clips of my nephew. And my nephew's been running probably since middle school. And, and the dude doesn't run like the 40-yard dash or the 100-meter yard dash. I mean, like, he only runs long distances. And when I say long distance, I'm talking about cross country. And I didn't realize that they call that because they ask you to run across the country. You know what I'm saying? And, man, he, he doesn't just do 5Ks, but, man, he's done like 5Ks, half marathons, and multiple marathons. Like, guys, I, I start sweating, and I get out of breath just watching, like, the, 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 the video of him just crossing the finish line. You know what I'm saying? But, but the man understands what it means to persevere understands what it means to, to know that, man, it's not just a sprint, but, man, it is a marathon. So don't give up. Man, stay with it. You may feel exhausted. You may want to give up. You may be tired. But ask yourself, where are your eyes focused? Man, are they focused on your surroundings? Are they focused on your feet? Are they, are they focused on, only on those who have went before us? Man, are they focused on Jesus Christ? And for those of y'all that are here today, man, you're such an encouragement to me. Man, maybe your eyes are focused on Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm running this race well. Then my question for you is, then who are you encouraging not to give up? Who are you pouring into? Man, who are you coming alongside? Maybe even slowing down and grabbing somebody and helping push them towards the finish line. Man, we've seen that example. Man, if you like sports, if you like the Olympics, man, there, there's multiple times where somebody who has worked their entire life 
for this race has something happen. They trip or they tear a muscle and suddenly, man, they, they find themselves in defeat. But I've seen multiple times when another runner who maybe doesn't have first, second, or third in mind sees that person and gives up their time to pick that person up and walk them through the finish line. Who are you helping? And then for those of us that feel tired today, man, I want to challenge us to refocus our eyes on Jesus. Many, if you feel like slowing down, refocus your eyes on Jesus. Many, if you feel like you can't go any longer, refocus your eyes on Jesus. Man, one thing about being a minister at a church, you know, I look out and like I would call this a crowd, right? There's a, there's a crowd. Y'all are a crowd today. But unfortunately, there's people who come to even a church like this and they sit amongst the crowd and they worship and they go through the motions, but they go home and even though they were in the middle of the crowd, they felt completely alone. Have you ever felt like that? Man, have you ever hungered just for somebody to just know you or to know what you're going through or to, to know that somebody cares? Have you ever been there? Because I think if we're honest, We've all been there. Maybe some of us are there right now today. Perhaps the most powerful words in the English language are the words that say, hey, I understand, like, me too. Can there be any more comforting than knowing that somebody understands and is willing to stand with you? See, that's what I believe the message of Hebrews is all about. That's what I think that this passage is about you are not alone. I mean, the author of Hebrews paints this amazing picture of God who knows us and understands what it's like to be us because he came down and became one of us. In Jesus Christ, God wasn't just put on display for us to see, but God stepped into the world and experienced what it's like to be you and me. I can't think of a more beautiful picture I can't think of anything more loving. So no matter where you are, man, no matter what you've done, no matter what is happening in your life up to this point or happening in your life right now, God not only knows about it, but in a very real way, he's experienced it too. Man, you're feeling alone, misunderstood, you feel fragile, you're unsure about your next steps, betrayed, hurting, tempted, humiliating. Jesus knows, and he's been there. You see, the message of Hebrews is that God knows he's been there before, but he came out victorious. And because of that, we can trust him. Man, we can trust that he understands. We can trust that he's tasted it all before and that even in our places of hurt and despair, man, we have someone who can step in and bring wholeness and restoration and the healing exactly where we need it most. Church family, you are not alone. Let's go. Actually, let's pray. <laughs> let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I want to pray for our our church today. 
God, I, I, I pray that we would hear this encouraging message that was written, God, to encourage believers to persevere, to not give up, to continue to run the race. And God, man, as we open up this time of invitation, this time of reflection, this time of decisions, God, as we have elders that come to the front and they're ready to receive anybody who needs prayer, let our church body understand that the altar is open. God, let us understand that even though we've been tired, even though we may seem weary, even though we may feel like it's almost to the point where we need to give up, let us be reminded that your spirit is saying, man, I got you. Man, I'm here. Don't give up. You can do this. And so God... Man, I, I, I pray for the hearts that are in this room today. God, I pray that if somebody needs prayer, they would come and get prayer. God, I pray that if somebody uh, is looking for a place to call their church home, man, they would start that conversation today. And God, I pray that if somebody is like, man, you talked about weights. Oh, man, I, I got plates on plates on plates of weights that have been weighing me down. Man, let them know that they can lay that to the side. God, if there's people that have sin that they need to work through, man, let them know that we have people that will come alongside them and that they will walk through that. God, encourage us today. In your name we pray. Amen.